It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. It is a Wednesday, so hump day for us. Hope you're out there wherever you are, whatever you're doing, having a good day. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, lots going on, of course, the uh, Farm Expo, Farm and Ranch Show, all kinds of those kinds of things. And uh, gosh, it just feels like we're busy around here, but that's kind of every day, isn't it, Susan Littlefield? You're always busy, aren't you? Well, we all are. It's been kind of crazy, and it, I think it just sets the uh, tone well, as we finish up 19 and head into 20. You're right. And there never is a slow time for, for producers because it's it's either you're out there in the field doing stuff or you're at these expos learning stuff. It just always keeps going, doesn't it? Education is an important part of life. Sure is. Sure is. What do you got for us today, Susan? Speaking of education, what do you got for us today? Yeah. Well, kicking it all off here at 1219, we're going to hear from Brian Jennings. He is with the American Coalition for Ethanol. He and I ran into each other literally on the trade show floor of uh, Trade Talk. <laughs> uh, we had the opportunity to sit down and talk about what we're seeing from the ethanol perspective. Of course, there is concerns out there mm-hmm. as many of these plants are having to deal with some darkness going on. But we talk a little bit about that, what that means for the communities. Then I'll come back at 1245 as Cindy Cunningham will join me. She is with the National Pork Board. They've been doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work. God forbid we get African swine fever here. But they've been working on ways to educate producers to get prepared if and when that day should arrive. And right now, some are saying it might not because we've done such a good job. So knock on wood with that one. No doubt. And then at 117, I'll be back in with Barb Beattie. Barb, of course, was on the trade mission with the governor to Germany. So we'll get her firsthand perspective of how global really has an effect local. Well, I need to talk to Barb and see how she got that kind of a hookup. That was uh, good for her. I know. It looked like she had a blast. Yeah, she probably did. Gee whiz. I know. Good for her. All right. Thanks, (laughs) Susan. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Brandon Bennett's in here today as Jason is uh, off out and about on assignment, as we call it. On assignment. UNK basketball plays mm-hmm. tonight, and then UNK volleyball in the conference tournament uh, tomorrow. So busy, busy time here for the UNK football teams and others, and uh, not the least of which is UNK football teams going to a bowl game. I saw that. There so. are five in Division Two, and the closest one to... The heart of the Kearney and Loper Nation, KRV Nation, is the Mineral Water Bowl, the extreme northeastern portion of the Kansas City metro area. They're going to play Winona State out of Michigan, not, not Michigan, Minnesota. Hmm. Winona. Win- or Winona, Winona, whichever you choose. Not Winona. Winona, Winona. yeah. Not Winona, Judd, Winona. Right. Winona Ryder. And, of course, we can't let sports go by without talking about the Husker football team, so we'll talk about their defense and looking to change the script for Saturday's game at Maryland and... Miles Garrett, surprise, surprise, is appealing his indefinite suspension for swinging a helmet at a guy. I don't think he'll have good luck. There. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh, appeal denied. Survey says denied. All right, thank you. We'll look forward to all of that. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. Looks like stocks down a little bit as uh, trade back in the news again. They are led by uh, the stocks are down, led by declines in technology and communications companies. Analog devices, a chip maker, fell 1.9% in midday trading today. AT&T lost 3.5%. Target is uh, bursting into the holiday season. Strong third quarter earnings. The company is kind of uh, reinventing itself, trying to go toe-to-toe with Amazon and uh, offer convenience and uh, low prices to its uh, 
uh, customers. So those are the stories, breaking news. All right. Thank you very much. That's all coming up on Midday. Well, it's time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. As I mentioned, uh, Paul is at the Gateway Farm Expo, so you can stop by and say hi to him. You know what he really likes when you do, what you do is you go in and complain about the weather. He loves it. And blame him, you know, really, because uh, he takes it. (laughs) He's fine. He's fine with it. So just go ahead and tell him that we need better weather. But uh, anyway... (laughs) Paula, I hated to, to you know, kind of throw you under the bus there, but uh, what do you got for us today? Hey, thanks, Scott. We are at the Gateway Farm Expo, the 50th annual farm Gateway Farm Expo. We are in the southeast corner of the Expo Center here at the KRVN booth. Stop on by. We've got some sweet treats for you. We'll also let you know how you can sign up for our Rural Radio Network newsletter. And, of course, the free barbecue lunch is coming up here shortly, something I'm going to be hitting shortly after I get done with this weather report. Taking a look at our ag weather for today, some cloud cover and rain chances will continue to increase from south to north as some low pressure lists from northwest Kansas into western Iowa. Rain is most likely this evening. There are some chances this afternoon, but the most likely time period is this evening with some leftover chances after midnight. Could see even a few thunderstorms to the southeast of the Tri-Cities in eastern Nebraska and central and east Kansas. Rain totals with this system expected to vary from a trace to a half inch. Some colder air on the backside will change the rain to wet snow in central and western areas but little, if any, accumulation is expected. North and northwest winds, though, will start to pick up and gets to about 35 for tonight and tomorrow. In behind a cold front for tomorrow and Friday, it will be much colder. Most of our highs in the 30s to the low 40s. Weak and moisture-starved low pressure will track out of the four corners and other system tracking through the plains for tomorrow night through Friday. Just a few isolated rain or snow showers will be possible. The weekend and Monday, though, looking dry with near normal to slightly warmer than normal temperatures. Some more low pressure will track through the plains for Monday night into Tuesday. Mainly some light rain and snow chances expected with this system, but it does bear some watching since one forecast model does indicate the potential for significant snow, but that is an outlier forecast model. In the latest long-term forecast, our temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas likely to be seasonal to slightly cooler than normal from Monday through the first three days of next month. The bulk of the coldest air likely to be north and west of our region. Above normal precipitation is likely the early to middle part of next week in Nebraska and Kansas. That outlook trends near normal on the precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas towards Thanksgiving through December 3rd. Key weather factors impacting the markets include rain and snow disrupting the U.S. harvest and periods of rain for South America in the western Midwest. Moderate precipitation, mostly rain, will disrupt the harvest. Eastern areas of the Midwest will also turn wetter for tomorrow on into Saturday. The Midwest also prone to some periods of rain about 6 to 10 days from now. In the northern plains, several inches of snow is indicated for North Dakota and northern Minnesota. This likely means harvest delays the next couple of days. Drier weather is forecast for the northern plains over the weekend. More than half of the corn right now remains in the field in North Dakota, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and more than a fifth of the soybeans still not harvested in Michigan and Wisconsin. Across south and south-central Brazil, beneficial moderate to heavy rain is indicated over the next five days. Central and northern Brazil also with some daily chances for rain and favorable conditions for corn and soybean development. In Argentina, thunderstorms indicated for south and west crop areas for today and tomorrow. Additional rain will move into the main Argentina crop areas on Sunday, which will be generally favorable. 
That is a check of your ag weather. Make sure you stop on by and say hi to us. We're at the KRBN booth in the southeast corner of the Expo Center at the Gateway Farm Expo. We'd like to see you and stop on by and say hi. And don't forget that big barbecue lunch is going on right now. So lots of good food, and I think that's where I'm headed. Back to you, Scott. Well, thanks a lot for that. I'm sure none of that's coming back with you either, doggone it. So thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. Remember, for weather at any time, you can go to krvn.com. Some interesting times in the ethanol industry. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. During the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention last week, I caught up with Brian Jennings. He's with the American Coalition for Ethanol. This is these local ethanol plants as they try to not go dark, but they've got a lot of struggles, and that is going to affect the main streets, and it's just a ripple effect. Susan, you're precisely right. This was supposed to be a good year for ethanol producers. We were allowed to sell E15 year-round. That should have meant more volume, and in a way it did this summer. And so that should have meant profits. Corn prices are reasonable. It should have meant uh, strong profits for these plants, um, returning some of that investment to their shareholders, supporting those local communities, giving farmers an opportunity to do well while they're maybe hurting a little bit on the trade side. Um, but it hasn't turned out that way. We've seen these small refinery exemptions continue to undermine the upside that we would have hoped for from E15. And the result, Susan, as you very well know, is you know approximately 20 of these ethanol plants across the country, dozens more biodiesel facilities, by the way, are either shut down or operating far below their, their normal capacity. That means they're not buying as much corn and soybeans. That means they're not spending as much in that local community. We all know when farmers have cash, they're spending that money in local communities, so that's less money for them. And in many cases, the workforce has been reduced. So you've got people that are perhaps laid off for a time being, and that hurts those families in those rural communities as well. So. It should have been a good year for ethanol producers. It's turned out to be an incredibly challenging year. And the byproducts that are lost when those ethanol plants go dark. That's right. They're not only making ethanol, are they? They're making distiller's grain, whether that's wet for a lot of the feedlot operators or they're drying that down. Um, A lot of ethanol producers have invested in technology when they're operating well to have very high protein content feed you know specializing in some of those markets and so that's right if they're not making ethanol they're not making those co-products those markets aren't being satisfied and so those customers have to figure out a different way is it soybean meal how are they going to make up for the loss uh, in the distiller's grain side and so that's that's a problem that hasn't been discussed enough puts a little weight on Washington to maybe look at the the personal side of all of this and take the politics out Absolutely, and I wish that's what we could do, is put a human face on this, and I think the best, on the pain that's being experienced by the renewable fuel industry, and I think that's most um, accurately borne out on the faces of farmers who are hurting right now. And what we're encouraging people to do, Susan, is tell their story to their members of Congress, to their governors, to EPA, to the White House, Let them know about the problems that farm families are facing right now, that rural communities are facing right now. We're in the middle of a comment period where by the end of the month, comments are due to EPA. 
on what the RFS is going to look like in the future. And so it's really important for that human story to be told, that personal story to be told, to try and make sure that we can get the right outcome. The loss of the markets here gives us an opportunity to look globally. The industry has really put a lot of time and resources into trying to expand our opportunities on the export side because of the problems we've had with mismanagement of the RFS here at home. And we're really excited about the chances in Mexico. We need USMCA. Those comments with Brian Jennings. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network. Me too. Time for us to check in on sports once again. And uh, the sports brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family. And Brandon Bennett is in here with me in the studio. And it uh, feels like we've been kind of saying this for the last couple weeks. But now for sure it's must win for Nebraska football team as they got to beat the Turtles. And how many wins do they have? they got four. And how many wins do you need to get back to a bowl game? They need six. And how many games are left? Two. So, yes, I it's would agree math. with your formula. It's that, math. Uh, even though we have two social studies teachers sitting in the room here. <laughs> able to figure it neither out. Neither one of us are able to, however, we can do that level of math. The Nebraska defense looking to change the script in Saturday's game against the aforementioned Turtles. Despite the recent negative outcomes, defensive coordinator Eric Shenander points to some things that are heading in the right direction. If the computer plays it. If the computer plays it. The spinning circle of death. We are beating ourselves right now. It's missing that tackle, missing a few key assignments, or not getting off the field on third down changes the game dramatically. If you can get those things correct, you may have only given up 10 points, 13 points on defense. You could have decreased every football game we've played. You could have decreased the amount of points scored by at least 10. Kickoff Saturday afternoon in College Park, Maryland, set for 2.30 p.m. Central Time. As always, complete coverage right here on 880 KRVN, starting three hours before at 11.30 Central Time. Kansas State football scored touchdowns in its opening drive of both the first and second half, but then failed to put a game-winning series together on its final possession, a 24-20 loss to West Virginia this past Saturday. K-State marched to West Virginia's 30-yard line with less than four seconds left before quarterback Skylar Thompson was intercepted at the Mountaineer three-yard line, and Wildcat head coach Chris Kleiman recaps the game. We're still fighting consistency. That's the biggest thing. And uh, we put some really good consistent drives together offensively. Uh, had a big play to start the game, so there's some real positives. But uh, one of the big drives we had, we end up getting stopped at the four and not getting in the end zone and, and uh, end up getting three out of that, and, and that's been where we have been successful is getting some touchdowns in the red zone and and that was a game obviously we needed touchdowns and didn't get that done and then uh, we know we're going into a tough environment in Texas Tech and playing a night game and our guys got to put their best foot forward we got to play our best game. K-State who has been ranked two separate occasions this year now falls to six and four three and four in the Big 12. The Wildcats play at Texas Tech on Saturday kickoff set for 6 p.m. The University of Nebraska Kearney football team placed 14 players on the 2019 All-MIAA squads. UNK found out on Monday their season will continue as they received a bowl bid to the Mineral Water Bowl, one of five in Division Two. It will happen here on Saturday, December 7th. So Pearl Harbor Day will also be a big day for UNK football. Head coach Josh Lynn is very happy of how everything turned out. I was excited to get the game, obviously, but I, I'm more excited to have another game in regards to, you know, what we did on uh, what we did on Saturday wasn't well for football, and so I'm excited to get back out on the football field and at least have one more game with this group. 
The 6-5 and five Lopers face the 8-3 and three Winona State Warriors on Saturday, December 7th in the Mineral Water Bowl in Excelsior Springs in the far northeast corner of the Kansas City metro area. And the Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett is asking, surprise, surprise, for the NFL to reduce his indefinite suspension. He was banned for the rest of the regular season and the playoffs for striking Pittsburgh quarterback Mason Rudolph with his helmet last week. And it wasn't just striking, he took a full hammer to him. Garrett is appealing the decision in the case being heard in New York by league-appointed officer who will either lessen the penalty or put a definite number on the games. Garrett tore off Rudolph's helmet and then beat him with it with eight seconds remaining in the game. And uh, Rudolph avoided injury but was not suspended despite trying to pull off Garrett's helmet and charging at him. So there were no heroes, only villains in this story. And uh, any time that you pull off somebody's helmet and try and beat it with him, the Lyle Alzado rule comes into effect. I, I really think they should bring it in front of Judge Judy. I think Absolutely. Thank you, Brandon. The Nebraska Corrections Department is asking more than 600 inmates to step forward if they'd like to serve out the remainder of their sentences in their home states. The Correctional Services Department said in letters to the prisoners last week that completing all or part of their sentences in the other states would let some inmates be closer to family and friends. State Senator Steve Lathrop is chair of the legislature's Judiciary Committee. He said the letters show that the department is trying to find ways to reduce prison overcrowding. Department Chief of Staff Laura Strimple says it would be up to the receiving states, some of which would have overcrowding problems of their own, to approve any transfers. A spokesman for the prison's department in neighboring Iowa told the Associated Press that his department would consider whether transfers would be in the best interest of the requesting inmates, among other considerations, such as Iowa's capacity and security concerns. A 28-year-old Overton man faces 12 charges in connection with hunting violations during the 2018 firearm deer season in Nebraska. Art Underwood Jr. is charged with tampering with evidence, false reporting, and multiple violations of violating deer hunting regulations and overbag limit on deer. A conservation officer's report uh, says that he was contacted in December about potential violations by a hunting party on land in Frontier County. The conservation officer recovered six sets of antlers from Underwood. All of the deer were believed to have been processed in a garage of a rural Phelps County residence. The report indicates that deer permits possessed by Underwood had not been canceled. Three other people have already been convicted in connection with the investigation. They include 22-year-old Holly Helleberg of Lubus, who pled guilty to a Phelps County charge of unlawful taking or possession of game. She was fined $500 and assessed $2,000 in liquidated damages. 22-year-old Easton Kalb of Kearney pleaded guilty to a Phelps County charges of violating Game and Park's deer hunting regulations for failure to check in deer and separating deer into more than quarters before check-in. Kalb was fined $100 for each hunting violation for a total of $200 and assessed $500 in liquidated damages. 21-year-old Jonathan Wood of rural Lexington pled guilty to a Frontier County charge of hunting deer without a permit and was fined $150. Oxycontin sales reps in China told the Associated Press that they disguised themselves as doctors and illegally copied patient records to boost profits. The AP examined more than 3,300 pages of training and marketing material used by employees of Purdue Pharma's Chinese affiliate. 
They contained claims about addictiveness and safety that U.S. courts, prosecutors, and regulators have said are false. The company says it's investigating. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Work being done on U.S. soils to prevent African swine fever. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Have the opportunity to sit down with Cindy Cunningham of the National Pork Board as we talked about African swine fever and what they as an entity are doing to help pork producers with learning more about ASF. So we kind of look at African swine fever today as one year out. Here we sit about 16 months out. It was really August of 2018 when it when it really began to set its course across China and, and Asia and Europe and some other countries. As you said, not here in the U.S. And the important thing for us all to remember, it is a, not a disease of humans. So it is a disease of pigs, not people. And pork is safe with African swine fever. But the devastation this disease has crossed in the world marketplace is is something that is just nearly unimaginable and the concerns that we would have here in the u.s. with this kind of disease really um, is something that we're preparing and planning and hoping that we don't ever get it here in the u.s. but preparing if we were let's talk about that preparing side what are some things that you guys are doing in the pork industry to prepare not only pork producers but the industry as a whole so we talk first about focusing on prevention and with that we look at things like hardening our target at home and improving our surveillance plans preparedness across the industry um, building a business continuity plan should we get it here and then also uh, preparing for some of those those potential losses if it were to be here so the first thing we need to do is to work with our producers and have been to understand ASF and understand the disease and what they can do on their farms everything from biosecurity to um, crisis preparedness and and managing a, that potential situation then working with the federal government so you've got the National Pork Board pork checkoff National Pork Producers Council, American Association of Swine Veterinarians, Swine Health Information Center, and North American Meat Institute all working in one crisis team with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, APHIS, specific to keeping it out of the U.S. So you've heard about more beagles, and you've heard about uh, what Customs and Border Patrol is doing. Checkoff is funding a ton of research on feed and other ways that it could be transmitted into the U.S. so that we can, in an effort to keep it out of the U.S. Um, those are just a few things that we're doing to help help harden that target, if you will, assuming that we are a target. I know that Undersecretary um, Iba really has been very excited about the number of beagles and the large number of beagles that are going to become available, not only on the East Coast, but in our country at some of the big international airports. You know, those beagles, and we talk about the beagles uh, as if we all know what that is, but through Customs and Border Patrol, um, working with the industry, there is a, a beagle brigade. And so they go around and they sniff luggage. And as you're coming into this U.S., country um, as someone come from an, another country they try to um, they try to determine if you brought something illegally into this country in our case we're looking specifically for meat and pork and pork products which could carry the ASF virus be brought into this country and then get into our pig population and cause that devastation it's one of the many tools that we are doing to protect the border um, from uh, somebody who inadvertently brings in the virus or somebody who tries to bring it in on purpose. 
You know, it amazes me that this virus is almost like a super virus in many ways because it survives in frozen meat. I mean, they pulled meat out of freezers and found the virus. I mean, it just shows the intensity of what it is. It, it really is a, an interesting virus for sure. It's been one of the top five um, concerns for the pork industry uh, for years as a foreign animal disease. It's important, though, the survivability of meat. It's important, again, to, to remember that it's not a human health concern. So people just can't carry this virus. So, so people are out of the equation. It's all about the pigs. But what could potentially happen is a piece of sausage from a, you know, a home country, somebody who's been to their home country, brings back their favorite sausage, and then they don't eat it all, and it goes out, uh, and somehow a pig, either feral or commercial, gets a hold of that product. Um, that's really the one of the concerns that we have. So the big what if. What if we get it here? So what if we get it here? I think it's really important to understand because we talk so much about this. Eight billion dollars to the pork industry. Four billion dollars to the corn industry. And 1.5 billion dollars to the soybean industry if we were to get ASF here. And those are negative numbers um, in loss of production, loss of consumption. Uh, it really would change the course of agriculture and the food supply here in the U.S. And our hearts would go to that producer that would be the one to first get it. So, you know, we want to make sure that all producers know what to do. Uh, if they see something on their farm that they don't like, get in touch with their vets. Our producers work so closely with their veterinarians. They'll work with their state veterinarian. State veterinarian will take some samples. We'll work with the um, U.S. Department of Agriculture through their veterinary service program, and we'll be able to hopefully control the situation. Those comments coming from Cindy Cunningham. Cindy is with the National Pork Board as she talks about African swine fever. Hard to believe it's been 16 months since we saw the widespread of the disease. Of course, you can find out more by going to pork.org. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at the business world, see what's going on in the markets right now. Um, right now, and not so well, to be very honest, to give you a word. Not good. That's two words, but, uh, you know, they kind of have a term. Red all over the place right now in the world markets in the overnight. The Japanese Nikkei was down 143. The Hang Seng down 202. London's FTSE was even down almost a percentage point, down 60 and the German DAX index was down 62. Now, again, it still continues to be issues with, do we have a trade deal? Do we not have a trade deal? And both sides going, yeah, we're getting close. And, and no, not so much. The Dow Jones Industrial Average in the United States down 191 points. The NASDAQ down 70. And the S&P is down 19. And Bob Brogan is in here to make sense of it all. Not really, but okay. uh, I think you that's were doing what I was, fine. That's what I was told you were in here for. I'm just, uh, you know, going. I can offer some information. That's okay. all I can do. Stocks, as you said, are moving lower, led by declines in technology and communications companies. And uh, Urban Outfitters plunged 13.8%, so they went south after reporting earnings and sales that missed estimates. Target, meanwhile jumped 11.9% after its results easily beat forecasts. And energy stocks rose as the price of crude oil jumped 3%. As to the negotiations taking place, uh, 
there's a potential new hurdle after the Senate added uh, the latest push for a trade deal with China. The Senate approving a measure to support human rights in Hong Kong following months of anti-government protests and uh, pretty much immediately or simultaneously or whatever you want to choose, China condemned the move and threatened strong countermeasures. Negotiations between the U.S. and China are already on seemingly shaky ground. And um, yesterday, President Trump said he was prepared to raise tariffs on Chinese exports if the nations can't reach an agreement on trade. So we're kind of um, squaring off in the middle of that there ring. And uh, the... We, have, we haven't thrown any fists yet, but uh, anyway, that's what's going on. So, as we said, Target doing well with strong third-quarter earnings. The company is, uh, shall we say, going toe-to-toe in that ring with Amazon, or trying to, and that's what's kind of boosted Target a little bit, is that they're uh, trying to rebrand themselves. Also, uh, confident businesses signal ongoing economic growth in Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska's leading economic indicator rose during October, according to the most recent report from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. The October increase implies continued economic growth in Nebraska through the spring of 2020, according to economist Eric Thompson, director of the Bureau of Business Research at the University. The leading indicator, a composite of economic factors that predict economic growth six months into the future, rose by 1.26%. So that was for the second consecutive month. The leading indicator rose due to solid business expectations and a robust labor market, according to Thompson. So things are looking pretty good for Target and for Nebraska. All right, that's certainly good news. Thank you, Bob. We're going to check in with Clay, see what's going on at the McCook Farm and Ranch Show. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. It is the McCook Farm Ranch and Hemp Expo. I'm inside the Kiplinger Arena right smack dab in the middle is one of the best feed products you can possibly do. That is Vitalix. Talking with Travis Shotta right now. And Travis, a lot of cows going to corn stalks as we start to wrap up harvest. What should they be aware of and what can they get from Vitalix? We always want to be aware of how much corn is down. But you also want to be aware of if the field got harvested in, in good shape, that the fact that the stock value, the feed value, is not that great. And so Vitalix... Um, I'm not too concerned how good the fiber is. I just need there to be some fiber out there. And we can winter those cows really economically uh, with our tubs. That's a low moisture block, uh, low consumption, high palatability, uh, very high quality protein, energy, vitamins, enzyme enhancers, stretch out the feedstuffs. Uh, That's what we're about. It's also calf weaning time. What does Vitalix offer there to keep those calves healthy and transition them from mama to a ration? You bet. we got about three different weaning products that we use. You know, ideally, if you if the calves are exposed to the tub prior to weaning, it just is seamless for us. Um, but, yeah, stop by the booth. I'd love to visit with them about what we have of those guys that haven't weaned yet. Now, it's so important. Uh, it can be a stressful time. And we've had some yo-yo weather from 70-degree swings in two or three days, and there's been some sickness that we hear out there, and we can kind of help manage that. And again, Travis Shuttle with Vitalix. Come on down right in the Kiplinger Arena. You can't miss him. It's Vitalix at the McCook Farm Ranch and Hemp Expo. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. 
Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk grains with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We saw the hog market drop precipitously again today, but what about corn and soybeans? Uh, We saw a down market. Is this a correction from yesterday? No, this is fresh selling, I think, due to the trademark, trade uh, pessimism, I guess is the word I'm going to use. I I don't know how to make uh, or how to decipher what's what's real and what's not, but uh, Bo, we'll call it 12.30, 12.15, we got an announcement that the trade deal had kind of fallen through, or at least the talks towards uh, getting anything done this year. So now there's some uncertainty about what tariffs are going to be as far as December 15th. I haven't heard any comments on that, but it'll be a sell, sell now, ask questions later, and, you know, with the... We're coming into a period where folks need a clear, clear product, and I think at this point, you know, the, the market sees the writing on the wall that there's, there's going to be supply coming. Whether or not it's, a, it's the supply size overall is, is kind of a, a moot point at this very second. In the long run, it will, and I think, you you know, you get opportunities here to buy. I, I'd be in strong buying, but I think maybe another 10 cents down in corn, and I don't know, I sound crazy here, but maybe another... 30 to 40 cents in beans, but I would be patient, uh, at least in the near term. Uh, right now, no South American weather problems to speak of, and without any kind of fringe additional demand to come in, uh, my worry is that the, the Chinese currency is going to fall, and that's going to pressure commodities across the board. We're starting to see that a little bit with, like I said, those deferred, hard, those deferred hog contracts. Ethanol margins remain stable to better a little bit, but uh, how about the basis levels? Uh, that's held up well. Well, yeah, well, the basis have fallen earlier this week, but I think the, the futures have caught up to it, and it sounds like they're stabilizing to a certain degree. I mean, we're going to hit levels here. The the market's going to get some some cash as far as MFP, MFP MFP payments go. So, you know, producers maybe don't sell as much on the margins because of that. I still think there's a room. You know, there's a need to make room for storage, specifically out your way. Uh, and we've seen that basis fall already out east. We're we're so delayed that it hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, we, we actually saw the corn spread between December and March tighten up midday, which I don't know if that's a sign of spreading or, or what, but both corn and wheat and the feed grain side performed pretty well considering the, the outside uh, influence in the market. So, uh, But I do point to cotton, I point to hogs, and I point to, 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 uh, to soybeans. I think, I think we could be starting to leg down here. And uh, the positive side was hard red and soft red winter wheat. Uh, yeah, I mean, the... the, the, the the strike up in Canada, I think, is affecting the hard red. We're seeing December rally on July. That shouldn't happen, in my opinion. I think wheat's the next to fall. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety... Go to podcasts on krvn.com, sponsored by Davini Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.